0: It's exciting to consider life in the Spirit as we will here in Romans chapter 8, but understanding where we came from and what is afforded to us makes it even more victorious as we'll see. Life in the Spirit, that is a victory cry the Apostle Paul lays out for us in Romans chapter 8, verses 1 through 11. And here today in verses 14 through 17, we see the specifics of this life in the Spirit, what we've come from, and where we are today, from a slave to a son, for all of the wonderful, glorious details. Let's catch up with Pastor Phil Howard from Valley Bible Church in Hercules. For today's broadcast of Truth For Today.
1: The first 17 verses of Romans 8 is describing life in the spirit. Verses 18 through 27 will be talking about the prospect of glory that we're going to, we're heading somewhere. And then Romans 8, 28 through 39 is just telling you, you can be sure that you'll be there because God gives us the promise of secure passage to get you to glory and so let's just continue where we began last week life in the spirit and uh uh, for you that were not here let me just review quickly and bring you up to verse 12 first of all life in the spirit is a life free from condemnation romans 8 1 to be in christ is to be free from guilt and free from condemnation. And uh, that alone is worth the whole eighth chapter. Just uh, if we could just get uh, condemned, beat up, guilty Christians to finally say, if Christ bore it, I don't have to. If he bore my penalty, Why am I flagellating myself and trying to heap more judgment? Did you know God did everything that needs to be done to satisfy him about your sin? When will you be satisfied? He's satisfied. It's you keep dragging it up. It's you that's doing all this. That's not God. If you are in Christ, he's waiting for you to start celebrating and get over being condemned. Christ really did bear, And life, spirit people can fly because they know, number one, there's no warrants out for my arrest by God. Everything's clear. Isn't that wonderful? Two, some of you act a little guilty. I think there might be some warrants there. I don't know. But anyway, uh, two, it's a life of freedom, a life of freedom from sin. I am free from sin, and did you know what most Christians don't think? We, you think I'm lying to you. We, we really talk out of both sides of our mouth here. Did you know that you can live free from sin, well, for about five minutes? Are you talking about Billy Graham? No, I'm talking about you. If you're in Christ, God has sent the Holy Spirit to come in you, and he can do in you and for you what you cannot do by yourself. He gives you the power to overcome that thing that's been whipping you, beating you. He sets you free. Is that, am I reading it? Am I making this up? Uh, he sets me free from the... I didn't hear you. Uh, look at your Bible. Law of sin and death. Now, does he or does he not? It's an indicative. He does. This is not probability. He does. If you're not free, you're not in Christ. Figure it out. Where are you? In Christ is liberation. I don't call it liberation for of the Allied troops to get to Germany and I still have to live the rest of my life at Auschwitz. Hey, the proof of the liberty is the chains came off the gate and they came and told me you're free go free. No longer are you under the Nazi regime. And when Christ defeated your sin at the cross, he's invaded your life to cut the chains and say, go free, my child. I've set you free. Now, you know what? My problem isn't with you folks who don't believe it. It's I will take you on because the gospel's at stake. Do not tell me the gospel did not buy your freedom from indwelling sin. Not just forgiveness for penalties, but indwelling sin. I was, the penalties paid, but the rest of my life I got to lived, a slave to the sins I was in. So I used to be a womanizer, I always will be. No, I'm not. I used to be a drunk, I always will be. No, we don't take the 12-step pledge. We take the one-step pledge. I met Jesus Christ, he set me free, he gave me a brand new power, and I'm going to walk in the power of the Spirit. I'm not on 12 steps. I'm in one step. I received Christ. Okay. I haven't even got to the sermon, so don't get too happy yet. Okay. Here we go. For what the law was powerless to do, uh, this God sent the Son to pay for it, put the Spirit in me. And that is, I've now been introduced to a life of obedience. But it's the Spirit fulfilling all the law commanded through me. Not by me, but through me. I'm cooperating, but I'm now living a fulfilled life before God because the Spirit enables me to keep everything God expects of me. And then he says in verses 5 through 8, it's a life in contrast to people in the flesh. There's only two kinds of people in the world, those in the Spirit, those in the flesh. To be in the flesh is to be unsaved, unregenerate, they cannot please God, the mind is on the flesh, those in the spirit, please God. Then he mentions that all believers really have the spirit, verses 9 through 11. And this spirit is not only going to help you presently, but it's even going to take your body that's dying and someday resurrect you and glorify you. Now, let's pick up, I looked at verses 12 and 13 last week, but I need to go back to it to link Together, something. And today, the first thing we want to consider from verses 12 through 14 a life in the Spirit is a life that is led by the Spirit. But notice this leading. Watch what it says. Therefore, brothers, we have an obligation, but it's not to the sinful nature to live according to it. For if you live according to the sinful nature, you will eternally die. I take this. I take this to be hell. Those who live in the realm of the flesh are headed for divine judgment. Not physical death. They're headed for the wages of sin is death. Separation from God. But if by the Spirit you put to death the misdeeds of the body, you will live. Now, it's just like kind of Galatians 5. Walk in the spirit, and you will not fulfill the lust of the flesh. Now, watch what he says. If you put to death the misdeeds of the body by means of the spirit, you will live. Because those who are led by the spirit of God are what? So there's a formula. Spirit led people are the super saints. Who are they? Oh. So to be a son of God would be to be led by the Spirit of God. Is that right? You're just agreeing because I'm I'm coaching you. To be led by the Spirit of God would mean you're a what? And to be a son of God would mean you're led by the Spirit of God. Now, there's all kinds of ink been poured out on, what. are you a Spirit-led believer? Here's the question we got to ask. Where in the world does the Spirit lead? And what we've done, we've said, uh, I'm praying he'll lead me to the right wife. You know, you're you're in the courtship. You lead me to the right wife. And there she is. How do you know? I I just feel something. Well, you said that about the last 10 girls you met. (laughs) How do you know God's in this? I I just feel it. I just feel he's leading. He's leading me. Oh, has he led you to serve? No, that makes you sweat. Has he led you to give? I'm praying about it. 20 years? It's interesting when you compare this with Galatians 5. The spirit has a certain area he walks. And there's two ways I know that the spirit led. They walk away from everything that's fleshly. And they walk after everything that's like Christ. And in Galatians, he names the works of the flesh, 15 of them. And he names five, nine characteristics of the fruit. There's more, but he names at least nine things. I always know if I'm in a situation and uh, I'm being set up, and maybe it could be anger, maybe it could be resentment, some relational rub. Now, the spirit, I want to be led of you. uh, and, And I feel like I should hit him in the mouth. Or I should just hate him a little bit. Or I should do something to get him. How would the spirit lead? Verse 13, by means of the spirit, you put to death the deeds of the body. He's the means. You're not passive in holiness. You appropriate this divine power to put to death those deeds that are making their bid on your body to do something with your mind, your eyes, whatever, to act out. And so you've got this power in you. And said, and remember, the sons of God, because it's a continuous sentence in the Greek, from 13, put to death the deeds of the body, because, because, in the Greek language, because you are being spirit led. Who used to lead us? Well, according to Romans 7, the law led us. And we failed and failed. God's put a new leader in the life of the Christian. It's the Holy Spirit will lead you to put to death the misdeeds of the flesh that make their bid on you. And flesh is not skin and bone. It's that fallen sin principle that wants to use your body to sin. The body is not sinful. Remember, your body is not sinful. But there's a sin principle that wants to use your body to sin. The body, we don't buy Gnosticism and Aristotle, who said the body is evil. Matter is not evil. It's what animates it that's evil. A fallen heart that goes away from God. So he says, My children are led by the Spirit of God. Does it sound familiar? You hear this analogy. Does this sound familiar? My sheep know my voice and they will rebel against me all the time they will what follow me I've got a shepherd that he says when I get you in my fold you will listen to my voice one voice out of all the cacophony in this world one voice and then he says I've sent the spirit to be that continual voice to you in your journey And he will lead you. Here, sheepy. This way. Away from the flesh. Away from the world. And well, where are you leading me? I'm leading you to be like Christ. I'm leading you to do it God's way. I'm leading you to carry out everything I've instructed you in this book. I want to lead you. So all of God's people are under this divine leadership. You know what's interesting? In Galatians, he said when we were under the law... That even if we were heirs, we were bossed daily by slaves who were guardians and tutors. Everybody told you what to do under the law. But when Christ came, he fired all the tutors. And he said, I'm going to give you one person. I'm going to give you the Holy Spirit. You won't need any more guardians. You won't need any more tutors. You'll need the Holy Spirit and he will lead you. Did you know Life and the Spirit is coming under divine, God-given leadership. He leads you. Who's got you this far? Accountability groups? Small groups? Once again, could be divine means. You know, I was saved as a teenager. I had the ninth through the 12th grade to go. And let me tell you, there were no Bible study groups at Richmond High. I had to quit going to the boys' bathroom in the morning, in the winter. We'd go there because it was cold. Because everybody talked about what they did on the weekend. And I was trying to live for God. I don't know where I hung out. I tried to find some place to get out of the cold. But I couldn't go to the boys' bathroom. It was big. And all the guys would hang out and exchange war stories and drunken parties and immoral escapades. I said, i got to go somewhere where I could be with God. Who, who did that? Spirit-led. Who was it that told me to break up with this girl because I wasn't strong enough to be moral if I stayed with her? I'm only 15. Come on. God doesn't care if you're moral at 15. He does if you're his own. If you're not a sheep, you know, I see some of these sheep around here. We, we, they say, bah, bah. But when you track them, you see wolf prints. My dad gave me that great line. I've said it many times. He asked me, "Do you know how you could tell a sheep and wolves, or, or a wolf in sheep's clothing?" And kid, I didn't grow up on the farm, no, Dad. I don't know what you trying to get at. He said, "Just track them. They don't make a sheep paw. Their little print looks like a wolf. They're just naming the name and faking. They know God, but when you track a man and see where they're walking, where they're walking, who's leading you?" Let me track your steps. Well, I'm always angry. I can't get over it. I can't this. Oh, I thought you were saved. Well, that's the way saved people act. No, I don't know. You'll get a little time before he's going to get your attention. If you know him, you've got a little time to get it together. My sheep follow me. My sons are led by my spirit and my spirit doesn't lead into sin he doesn't lead into a temptation he leads you away he leads you away and he enables you to put to death that misdeed of the flesh temper lust whatever it is you put it to death in the power of the spirit you say no i'm counting on the strength god gave me and in time he forms a new pattern of responding to the stimuli You're able to walk in the Spirit. He goes on to say, secondly, that life in the Spirit is to be a member of a divine family. Look at what he says in verse 15. For you did not receive a spirit that makes you a slave again to fear, but you received the spirit of sonship. Now, uh, look at that. What does he... For you did not receive a spirit that makes you a slave again to fear. But you have become sons. Thus I titled the message from slavery to sonship. Uh, You're no longer under a hostile master. You're not under guardians as Galatians talked about being under the law. You're You're not under those who didn't father you. You're not under people who have been hired a nanny. You're not under a nanny. I didn't give you your life, but we got to pay to take care of you. But you moved into a divine family. And in this family, listen, it operates on affection and not on fear. This divine family, you remember, we already threw out condemnation. He didn't save you to keep you condemned. Condemned. You know what? I did spank my children. Not enough. No, no, I I did spank. I believed in that. I don't think I ever abused them. But I want to tell you this much. I didn't have children in order to get to spank somebody. I had children out of affection. I wanted someone to call me daddy. I wanted life around me as I get older and get ugly, I want someone around me to say, I love you, Dad. And in this family, he says, fear will not operate in the children of God, towards God. They're not afraid of the law. They're not afraid of the guardians. They're not, they have the fear of the Lord that's the beginning of wisdom. That, that, that principle, that's respect for this God. But it's the idea that it's not a dysfunctional family where you don't feel welcome to be there. Uh Uh-oh, dad's home. Go hide. You're going to get boxed. The dog's going to be kicked. He might give mother a whipping. I I had a friend of mine that he fled his house every weekend because his dad would get drunk and beat up his mother on the weekend. So he said, I fled. I fled to libraries in the Philadelphia area because I couldn't stand to see my mother beat up another weekend. Imagine growing up in that environment. God is saying to you as his sons, I don't slap and box and demean my children. I've given the spirit to lead you. And in this family, you will not be treated like a slave and you will not be dominated by the anxiety, fear. What will he do to me? Will he hit me? Will he hurt me? Is the home safe? No, no. You've got it made if you're in Christ. You've landed. You're in safe arms. You're in the family of god you see god paid a bigger price to get you in his family than your dad did with your mom we don't know if you were conceived in love or lust and a lot have been conceived in lust but you were conceived at the cross and foundation of the world god planned to slay his son to get you in the family so you're no small purchase you're big time purchase this is not a 15-minute sex act. This is a divine price that the father and the son were willing to pay to make you a son. It costs them the son to make you a son. Fear has torment, the Bible says, but perfect love casts it out, and salvation is perfect love. And notice what he does in the family. God wants to teach you divine family talk And he says, we cry, Abba, Father. You know what's interesting about this? The only one who ever is recorded to use this is Jesus. And I think one of the most pressing things is Jesus used it in his last hours before the cross. This is what he prayed in Mark 14 in Gethsemane. Abba, Father. I mean, the perspiration looks like drops of blood. He's praised three times for the cup to pass from him. If you ever read the biography of dying soldiers, you know what the most common word on the lips of a dying soldier is? Mama. Tell mama goodbye. They got a sweetheart, but it's the most common, mama. Now, he says the spirit-led sons of God, whether they're male or female, there's something on the lips of the family. It's called father father abba J vernon mcgee tells the story that he had visited a certain hospital in la hundreds of times to comfort people from the church he pastored the church of the open door and he comforted them and god's going to see you through god's going to take care claim the promises uh, everything's going to work together for good and and the pastoral duty and and give a few verses and go on but he said he finally wound up in one of those beds with lung cancer. And in his typical way, if you read his words, friend, I was scared. I wasn't waiting for somebody to come in and give me the same old verses. Or just to pat me, it's going to be okay. Stiff upper lip, get over it. And he tells about Wilbur Smith paid a visit to him and stayed with him. And how are you doing, Vernon? He said, I'm scared. I'm afraid I'm going to be buried in a few months with this lung cancer. But he said when Wilbur left, he asked the nurse to close the curtain around his bed. And he said, friend, I started crying out, Abba, Father, you got a scared son on your hands. I don't have time to be pastoral or profound. Abba, Abba, Father, this is your child. Could you come to me? This family talk, that's what God produces by the Spirit. You see, under the law, I couldn't even approach the mountain when the law was being given. If I touch the mount where the law is given, I'll be killed. And then all of a sudden, God says, I'm going to show up another place in history, and it's going to be on another mountain. It's going to be on Mount Golgotha. And when you come there, you can come a sinner and leave a son, and you can touch God at the foot of the cross.
0: Working our way through Romans, this is Truth For Today with Pastor Phil Howard. We trust today's broadcast has been enlightening, and especially as we see our desperate need for the gospel. As we conclude our time together today, we would invite you to contact us if you have questions, comments about the broadcast. Maybe you have a question about your own walk and relationship with the Lord, or a prayer request. We'd love to hear from you. Please get in touch with us today.